Welcome, everyone, to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And we are joined today by Anthony Oliveira. Anthony, how are you? Hello, I'm very well. I, uh, I'm i a little fried. I was hosting a screening of Xanadu last night, so apologies if I've got a bit of a deep fried voice. We were disco dancing into the wee hours. So. <laughs> well, I think that Xanadu will fry you in one way or another. It, it um, gets you. It's going to get you. It is, uh, it is a, a pleasure palace decreed or whatever the hell the chord <laughs> is. <laughs> I've not seen it, but is it one of those super campy movies yes uh Zan- <laughs> xanadu is strange it's literally the movie that caused the razzie awards to be born like that's how bad it is like it's they um. were like we have to do something about this <laughs> um but it has truly the most like 10 out of 10 11 out of 10 soundtrack you've ever heard in your life like every single song on it is a banger it's olivia nice. newton john like at her best and it's gene kelly's last movie so it's like holy shit like oh. and it would be really nice if it had any kind of plot at all <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a hell of a good time especially when you cram 220 queers into a theater covered in sequins uh and throw in some drag queens and a, and a dance instructor <laughs> yeah and that's part of a series that you do you do one film a month Right? Yeah, it's a dumpster raccoon cinema here in Toronto. We do we rummage through the garbage of popular culture and uh, pull out what we can find. <laughs> we just did our five year anniversary with Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 film. Um, As that advertised in these annuals. Yeah. Yes, it it was. Yeah, that's really <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, so my month is coming full circle today with the the excitement of Lazarus, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, it's really been fortuitous how some of the guests have been slotted and I'm like, you should do Incredible Hulk because of Lazarus, because <laughs> obviously you hold an advanced degree in Bible. Um, yes, that is what the certificate says. Advanced yeah. degree in Bible. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did my PhD work on um, 17th century literature and my work is about is interested in um, Christian literature, usually ve- like lensed through a like a queer lens. So I did uh, Paradise Lost was a key text for me. Um, the uh, Shakespeare, Dunn and Marlowe were the others. But um, yeah, it's nice to see a little bit of the Gospel of John happening here, although not much. I don't know. I don't know how generative <laughs> beyond the fact that he's a guy who comes back from the grave this Lazarus is I'm actually getting more shades of Hamlet from what's going on here mm-hmm. um yeah. but uh, we do we do love a an angry revenant for sure uh, biblically and and otherwise and you have a, a huge book coming out next spring that yeah I am also so featuring a Lazarus, actually. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you tell everyone about Dayspring? Sure. Uh, Dayspring is a project I've been working on, I mean, really since I was 17, but uh, that really started clicking into place during the pandemic. It's um, it's a, it's a gospel in form. It, it's not actually a novel. It is a gospel. Uh, but it is told from the point of view of the beloved disciple, um, there's an old Christianity has this kind of problem where the dude died. And that's like, <laughs> that's a problem for a religion when the guy who's supposed to be your leader goes and gets himself killed at 33. Um, but they sort of developed this story pretty early on that he'd be back. Uh, and when they were trying to figure out timelines, they were like, wasn't there a guy that he like loved like that guy? He's not going to let that guy die. Um, but then as the generations go on, 
this other story starts to emerge that the beloved disciple never dies and he's been wandering the earth for 2000 years waiting for Christ to return. So this is like that story as told by that character, but uh, 2000 years sort of history has done things to his mind and uh, my own memoir rinses in through the story. So it's a big mess. It's super queer. It's uh, super religiously traumatized. <laughs> and it comes out uh, Easter 2024. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited about that release date. I think we're going to do a screening of Jesus Christ Superstar to celebrate a little sing along moment. I mean, uh, usually the Sunday tradition is to listen to Casey Kasem's top 40, usually from the 70s. And songs from that have made quite the appearance yeah um the 70s were real big um i was just taking a bath the other night and listening because they'll air it on thursday night so i was like taking a nice bath and listening to the casey Kasem from 1974 uh-huh. and all of a sudden this nun comes on singing the lord's prayer and it's in the top 40 and it's oh. like it and it came out like the first time I heard it. I think I was doing dishes and I had to pause from scrubbing and be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, it's a weird part of American culture that's kind of disappeared. Is the, I mean, there's that line in the Elton John song like Jesus freaks out in the streets, handing tickets out for God. Right? There was a, there was a real component or a subset of like late '60s culture that was very interested in developing a kind of socialist version of Christianity, like post-Vatican II, um, there was a real, like, this is our guy. And you see it refracting into the mid-70s with, like, like Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar come out the same year. They're both this kind of attempt to recoup some kind of political dimension to Christianity, right? Um, So (laughs) it is odd to think about, but there is this weird a disco Jesus kind of thing that happens. My family's real Catholic and my mom had the Godspell record. So I think moms can get on board with Godspell, the religious moms, more than Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar, you got to have a little bit more edge, I think. But Godspell is literally just like, it's literally just a bunch of the parables. Like there's not, (laughs) there's not really like a Mary Magdalene, like trying to wash Jesus's feet in it or anything like that. Oh, hello super catholic so they'd probably be on board with that too i don't know i don't know they're also real sheltered so who knows we'll we'll gauge the reaction the next time there's a family gathering and we'll be like let's watch a movie and, and yeah pop it in. or you could do readings from my book see how she feels about that. <laughs> i i let my mom angels in america um and i have not heard back since i don't know if she's made it do it or she's just pretending like i don't know the hbo version the book what are we talking uh, the book Oh, okay. Maybe she needs, maybe some Meryl Streep will help wash it down, you know? Like, yeah. And Meryl <laughs> helps everything. So. Yeah. It, it's it's got that Mike Nichols, like, there's a lot of oboe on the soundtrack. Like, it's a chill. She can have a tea and watch Angels in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They came out for a pride parade in Minneapolis when I um, went during the constitutional amendment to define marriage. And we were the first state to defeat one of those, I think. Um, and my mom had one of those like popsicle stick fans and she like covered her face when the fetish floats went by. Wow. Scandalized. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Good for mom. Yeah. Yes. So, um, like the fan, 
rising to her face. Let's speak about <laughs> Lazarus. Segway. Wow. And <laughs> in the Incredible Hulk annual number 19 from 1993, written by Peter David. Um, our podcast has obviously done a deep dive on X Factor Investigations by Peter David. So um, this is our first time reading Hulk by Peter David, though, in his like decade long run on the title. Oh, at all. Okay. Yeah. So um, we should also say points to Kirk Jarvanen as well for this flash page Hulk, who is just thirst trapping it up. Yeah. Are we talking about the first image here? This like beefcake on beefcake moment. This like incredibly, truly one of the most 90s images I've ever seen. Like every element of this, like the pinball machine, the deep V tank top in what we call this in tangerine. (laughs) The huge belt buckle. Uh, the reference to the dinosaurs TV show. Yep. <laughs> Everything about this is you exact. You can carbon date this to like one weekend in 1993. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I I okay. started out with just so many questions. Yeah, we are basically thrown into the middle of a story, which I think might be the best type of annual that there is, where it just plunges you in and it's like, all right, we're going to involve you in what's going on right now, um, because. My stance on the annuals, especially back then, is that they want you to read more of the title. So mm-hmm. um, this is certainly a way for a writer and creative team to acclimate someone like, all right, you you picked up Hulk. Here's some Hulk. But taking the time to explain a little bit of the backstory. Right. They have to do it deftly because otherwise it's just overwhelming. You're like, what am I walking into? I don't know what's happening with any of these characters. So it's casual time for Hulk right now. He's shooting some darts and getting accosted by this baby. With a spoon. With a spoon, whacking him on the head, saying, not the mama. Um, Very dinosaurs. And then the dude who's right next to the pinball machine is banged up and we learn how he got banged up very rough mm-hmm. trade happening here yeah yeah a little upset this is a very comic note like the ability to draw children is not high on the priority list for not hiring a, a comic book artist <laughs> <laughs> this is, and this I mean, is definitely a comic book baby <laughs> it is um it's no luna from the avengers around this time where no, no. <laughs> oh. she was rough she was it real looked, rough it or... looks like a different genre of drawing like it it has a very like uh bugs bunny kind of look this kid mm-hmm. uh oh, it also i'm not sure the gravity of how it's sitting on his shoulders quite works <laughs> yeah with his traps like that i don't yeah, know where guess, the perch exists yeah. i guess if your traps are that deep you can you can store a baby in there <laughs> i mean i'd be willing to find out yeah. <laughs> um, so this other guy is recounting being at this warehouse and these crates just start falling on their own very confusing he goes to yell at the forklift driver and the driver's like it just went off on its own and and then crates fall from the sky like i don't know how did they all levitate out to an open area from a shelf and then drop or were they just hanging randomly from the ceiling? I don't know. Right. But it's got a, like a nice arrangement on the top yeah. panel. Um, and this Very is Super Mario to... Brothers, like Smash. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. 
Um, oh, it's yeah. not just some guy. It's Hector. It, it is Hector of the, the uh, Iliad, right? Like this is the Pantheon. You guys talked mm. about the Pantheon before. <laughs> I, I it took me a few pages to put the context clues together of like, oh, there's Paris. Oh, there's Hector. Like, oh, right. all these names go together. Yeah. I think the Pantheon is one of Marvel Comics's great forgotten bits of lore. If I'm not mistaken, the idea is that they were descendants of the Asgardians, but also are the characters from the Iliad. I'm not sure, but they're all related. Maybe they're separate and just happen to have their names. But the Hulk was like teaming up with them, operating out of the Mount at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, by the way, this is super smart Hulk. Like he is a normal intelligent running a business hulk at this point he's yeah uh, which is another thing i had questions about like i thought only gray hulk was the smart one but he's very yeah more he's much more than just smash at in this yeah book. he's very on top of things at this point in history he's kind of running he's i mean he's kind of now what we use iron man to do right like sort of yeah. running these shell corporations and becoming uh ethically dubiously implicated in the operations of his various manufacturing concerns also yes. the kid seems to live there like they seem to be a staff at the mount i don't remember yeah he's like but... take this refugee baby like yeah. that's in a few pages but he's like take this refugee baby away right um so obviously there's a nursery or at least along with the tax evasion part like the shell corporations always just give me pause because capitalism mm-hmm. and I was not expecting that component in this book. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, you're a writer. You can bring the Pantheon back. You can make them a thing again. Yes, but but why? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, for I'm not. Parking. They feel a little DC to me, actually. Like I don't know. I don't know if we have much room for these kinds of characters at Marvel anymore. Like they don't have that kind of Kirby feel that the Asgardians have. They're mm-hmm. fun. I mean, I'm sure there's fans out there of this. I mean, they were popular enough to have a video game, which tells you how much tells you just how much the comic book industry has changed. True. <laughs> like, I don't know beyond the reaches of your podcast that many people remember the Pantheon at all. I had the 1991 cards, the the collector's cards. Mm-hmm. And on the back, the Hulk's affiliation was the Pantheon. And as a kid, I was like, what's that mean? And turns out nice. what I was imagining was much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> more interesting than a corporate lackey Hector. Yeah. Um, but he, he does, does have some a... beautiful chest hair, which is unusual in a comic. Unless Hercules is on the page, most men don't get to have chest hair in Marvel comics. It is nice that the Hulk has nipples in this. I'm always appreciative. Oh, I backed myself into a strange sentence. I was going to say I'm always appreciative of a male nipple in a comic. <laughs> 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 you know what? I stand by it. <laughs> yeah, you stand by it. Um, the crates fall down and then start to assemble themselves yeah all this junk from inside the crates and hector pulls out his morning star from his jacket i don't know he pulls out his morning star as you do (laughs) and the this arm just grasps it and they give a warning a very metallic screechy voice says do not deal with hunter anymore which i do i appreciate how peter david described the voice like he took a text box to set up how it would sound, which mm. I feel is an extra step not a whole lot of writers, especially back then, would take. They would just throw out some dialogue 
in the little bubble that's wavy and everything so you know it's weird um but he takes the time to sort of describe how that sound is made and when Hector asks who are you it comes out Lazarus which I'm like this does not look like the Lazarus on the cover no what's happening (laughs) and then you realize oh it's just component parts um, we, and get, we haven't met the real Lazarus yet. We get a nice ad for neon nerds right after this page. And the fact that they had to brand nerds candy as neon in 93 just speaks to the 90s. Like, we can't just sell these funky little creatures. We have to be like, no, no, no. They're the color of highlighters. I right? mean, ni- 90s is probably when I had a nerds blizzard from Dairy Queen. <sighs> The nerds, the nerds, uh, McFlurry was one of the greatest. I'm still chasing the high of a nerds McFlurry. Like, it's your dragon that you're chasing. Yeah, <laughs> it's the yeah. nerds McFlurry. That's... <laughs> when I die and I meet St. Peter at the gate, I hope he's holding a nerds McFlurry for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> the spoon straw too yeah. has to be involved. Yep. Exactly. That's how you know Those... you made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of neon in the 90s and a lot of slime we were big on slime we were neon slime was it like ninja turtles like venom we're all about the slime moment in the 90s I those miss- neon nerds could wreak havoc on the tummy though let me tell you that was not a oh. good time. <laughs> very acidic like straight citric acid to your stomach lining yeah, yeah. I had a Jabba the Hutt action figure from the late 90s that had slime like you put it in and like squeezed him and he'd be like oh. and like the slime would ooze out of his mouth he doesn't uh, slime in the movie does he he it was an episode one and... action figure so they can take liberties i guess yeah 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 <laughs> and they had little plastic like those frogs that he would eat oh to like put amongst the slime so i guess it was him maybe he ate a whole lot of neon nerds and he just had to throw up that's how you know he's I've never really thought about the fact that jabba the hut like a, a, a desert planet would be an incredibly inhospitable environment for a slug man or he's yeah. not he's actually not a man right he's like he's his gender is unclear i think all the huts genders are interesting yeah <laughs> i'm not i'm not incorrect but what yeah i guess getting... it's a it's a sign of wealth that you can sustain your slug body on an arid planet i guess i i yeah. bet there were those mister things installed everywhere in his palace yeah. just like yeah. And you know That's... they have to import those frogs. Then, if where is an amphibian going to grow up on a desert planet? Exactly. I think that I think I'm now realizing the semiotics of Jabba's palace were much more complicated than I first realized. That he was he was signaling wealth at every moment, right? Like, yeah. Hmm. The uh, also, yeah. You know, he's a villain for eating those frogs. They are they're so cute. We have a lot of tree frogs at Daryl's place, and so there's one little friend that would sit on the doorbell. It's a tiny little frog. Oh, on the doorbell? Yeah, mm-hmm. because it, there's a light inside of it. So we just sit there because it's probably slightly warmer and it would attract little naps. Yeah. And oh. it's supposed to be like a bellwether for how healthy an ecosystem is because their skin is so porous. Mm. So. Frogs. Okay. Three frogs. Oh. Or most, I've fr- eaten most frog. amphibians, I guess. <laughs> Back to <laughs> other green things. Other the green Hulk. Things. We're back to the Hulk, still shooting darts, and this is where he shoes this child away, which I can empathize with. Like, go, go. Go elsewhere. Do you have a parent? Go find your parent. Yeah. You do really well with the small children, though, better than me. I know, but still, it's like, after a while, you're like, it, quit hitting me on the head with a spoon, kid. Just go away. 
I'm now realizing that spoons will be a major theme in this comic because a spoon will play a vital moment later during a fight scene. It's uh, maybe true. this is the same spoon. It is. Also realizing the... this kid is straight up like diaper, a very full looking diaper right on his shoulder. Really See, no, horrible. You. But you're oh, right. Look at those shoes. He's got those like those Nikes, oh, yeah. size 20 Nikes. Oh, <laughs> you're very right like i he slips that spoon into his pocket like it's a little spoon outline oh you're right it's the spoon it's Chekhov's spoon (laughs) (laughs) oh what's the reference what's that oh what's the Chekhov's spoon reference oh Chekhov's gun if you if you have a gun on the wall in a play it must go off at the end of the second act like Uh, don't waste anything in a story so Chekhov's gun Chekhov's spoon here very clever. I did not catch that on my first read through. So we get a a teleconference call. And he calls up. He's like, all right, you have to make me a Caucasian male. Like he does pay attention to what, like the filter he's putting on his camera. Right. Yeah. He has anticipated Zoom culture uh, post pandemic that like, what if we all looked a little better on camera than we actually do? He's got those filters turned up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> It's odd that he gives himself, or he's got the glasses and, like, appearance of business, but still is wearing that tangerine deep V. Oh, yeah, that's like a total slut tank. For his business call. Yes. True. Uh, I'm also noticing we get this very prominent shot to tell us, warning, fence is electrified. That also will matter soon. (laughs) This comic is very well constructed. (laughs) I feel like sometimes... Sometimes we notice it um, mm-hmm. that Peter David has a lot of like little seeds that get planted, and then mm-hmm. either sometimes later or much later they they bear fruit. Um, so what's this call about? Business. He, he's getting. It sounds like the other the guy whose crates they were on the horn, and this is one of the hunters. I think this is Cameron, who uh, is not a hunter, is very notably not a hunter. This is the guy that uh, spoilers, the, the widow hunter has been having an affair with. Right. That was the connection. Right. <laughs> um, and this guy like these crates were losing control. It's like a poltergeist. But the consistency makes us suspect sabotage. Does that dude have a skull on his office shelf? Flip back. It looks like a like a a shrunken head. Yeah. Oh. Again, like I feel like there is a Hamlet kind of vibe happening in this story. There's like this vengeful ghost, this dude who has replaced the dude and -hmm. is having an affair. And there's sort of this witless son, this skull image. His name is Cameron, which starts with a C, like Claudius. They're the hunters, like the Hamlets. I think something's going on here, but I, I don't know if it's fully developed. But I like that comparison. Um, so they they lay all these little breadcrumbs to set up a trap for Lazarus. They'll do another drop. They're going to email instead of doing things with in writing with letters, <laughs> and like make sure that if they're the emails are being monitored that mm-hmm. um, he knows that there's another drop coming mm. um, to do business with them. And hopefully they'll, they'll rough him up and solve the mystery. 
they're going to rough up the amalgamation of parts that was Lazarus. They'll bring yes. a magnet, I guess, or something. Right. I think the yeah. idea is that he assembled that thing with his telekinesis, right? Because they're going to establish later that he's telekinetic. Yeah. So I think he must have been like squatting behind a box making that big thing is the idea. Yeah. I do I, like I, the, I the Hulk's that. bottom glasses here. This like these round like John Lennon glasses. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like I saw, he's serving Beast, I feel like, with the round glasses. That's right. Beast was also, I'd have to check the dates, but I feel like Beast is human again over in X Factor right now. He's like, he looks like oh. just like a dude again. Maybe. He did appear in the Wonder Man annual this year in his blue furry form. Oh, so he's yes. back to blue. That would make sense. Oh, it's 93. Yeah, he's back on the, he's, we're back in the Jim Lee era. He's blue again. You're right. You're yeah. right. And we get a shot of the McCarthy Industries Airfield. Um, which is one of the shell companies of the Hulk. And I love how Ulysses is just grumbling to himself. Mm. Like he's hot in this ginger beard. Yeah, he is. And also with <laughs> chest hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. That maybe we should bring the Pantheon back. <laughs> <laughs> bring the Pantheon back, but make them gay as fuck. Yeah. So I mean, bring yeah. you have to do some Hercules action then too, and like yeah. all the all the hair student is that the right word hair yeah scene? hair suit um, yeah uh men with all the hairy chests yeah maybe the hulk goes to the eagle and he meets oh it's his old friends the pantheon yeah and <laughs> hercules can be in those incredibly complicated sandals he likes to wear yeah very strappy <laughs> um it would fit right in a tank and it, yeah <laughs> i see this perfect for marvel unlimited the scrolling format um for what you're proposing all the way down the sandals just for like six pages of length (laughs) just pan down those thighs down those calves find those what are we doing right now (laughs) (laughs) i'll never work again (laughs) um so yeah ulysses i want you for this job ulysses you're the best qualified ulysses (laughs) drive a truck around in the middle of nowhere with a target on your back ulysses uh I, I stay on Ulysses right here. Yeah. He's a truck and driver too. This is like very trade. Very trade. <laughs> uh, Does he have bottoms on while he's driving? Who knows? Um, <laughs> do we um, see, we do eventually see some pants, it looks like, unfortunately. But maybe that's oh, a coloring yeah. issue. Maybe that's a coloring mistake. And <laughs> as he says, no one's attacking right now. We get Lazarus in the distance and then slightly closer. And then like the full gleaming vision that is Lazarus. What a complicated set of armor. I mean, uh, yes. I like it. I Yeah, but like the spikes from the neck. But they go it's... down and out. It's not like other outfits we've seen where you're like, how do you not impale yourself? Mm. And Fair. It's an odd like... combination of sharps and rounds. Like it's very, parts of it are very Michelin man. Like it has a lot of circle shapes. Mm-hmm. But then we've got the talons and the head spikes. I find it very, so we never get an origin story for this character. We no, never but... see him as a person. He's just in this weird suit of armor. We fully do not know like what origin his powers have. There is never an explanation. And as far as I can tell, this is this character's only appearance. Um, 
So like what he can do or why is not really clear. <laughs> what aesthetic we're meant to be evoking is also unclear to me. I kept hoping that we would get a, like, this is the origin of here. Like he was raised by someone else or like he had some, I'm, everyone has had an amulet. Maybe they're just like, there's too many amulets in these annuals. Mm. Um, but he's shy. Like, I love the chrome and red combo, the little red touch on the edge of his toes. I'm surprised there's not a spike there though. Oh yeah. Perfect place for a toe spike. Yeah. I mean, the Klingons, I feel have toe spikes. They do. Could have yeah, been a Klingon moment. Gear. I mean, there's something supernatural about him, so he can probably survive any kind of like self-impalement situation. He's kind of you want you want him to be like kind of the Shrike, right? From uh the Hyperion books. Like he's just kind of this spooky ghost who's coming to kill you. This was yeah. this like, is it a cape? Are they tentacles? Like, I don't know what the shoulder situation is. I think they're eventually like tentacly things they show up as very tentacly like some have spikes on them even but in front of this truck they look like little ribbons or ragged yeah. edges maybe they're yeah. like those things outside car washes those dancing guys like they inflate when he pushes air through them but otherwise yes. it's just kind of it's kind of limp maybe that's he just blows is. on his thumb a little <laughs> yeah or it's exactly. uh the spinny things from within the car wash and that's how his armor stays so bright and shiny oh. clean it's like built-in polishers yeah that's very good i used to work at a car wash and i didn't know how to turn it off so if anyone lost like the the ball from the top of their antenna i would get like hot waxed every time i went in oh no, oh, no. <laughs> so he's triggering for me now oh. <laughs> his telekinesis is kicking in and it's these sort of odd orange blunt blobs that are coming out of him it is giving car wash you're right it does seem like <laughs> he's giving this semi a car wash and crunching it up at the same time yeah yeah well or i it's... mean it's a power wash <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have too many every year <laughs> uh you let the airbags go off ulysses is stuck and it almost looks like his arm gets impaled a little bit but then he's fine but he's fine yeah um, but it's pretty powerful telekinesis if these orange weird bandy things are crumpling up the entire truck. And Hulk is trying to call Ulysses on his wrist phone, on his Apple Watch, basically. And he's like, Ulysses, you there? And Ulysses is like, my arm is trapped, you idiot. I just love Siri, call Hulk. <laughs> I just love that all this action is happening out on the airfield and then within the the big domey structure is a yeah. lone crate with the Hulk. <laughs> crouched inside being like hello he's in a hangar and is anyone there <laughs> well all this stuff happens on the outside and he's just oblivious to it right he's he's very cute all hunched up on his little phone <laughs> still in his red pants and orange green tank yeah he, uh, he still has not changed is this later that day or has he just been wearing the same outfit for days i don't know i usually like it when they do like the inex um, unexplained costume changes mm. but he's oddly consistent I mean, would we mind if he wore the same clothes multiple days in a row? We've set up a very, it, it's very trade across the board. That's so true. Like, he probably he's has a really nice musk. Yeah, honestly. He's a stinky boy, maybe. Although everything, it's the 90s, so all of it is synthetic. So it probably doesn't even need washing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the synthetics hold on to musks more. Oh, oh is that true? I'm, I'm, mm. That's is this, do we think this is red denim? The pants? Like, I don't know. Ooh, what if they're, like, red corduroy? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> it was 1993. If any, if ever there was a time for oversized red corduroy, this is the year. <laughs> Ulysses has a shield and a sword. They seem to be electric and button activated. Okay. I think this is a consistent thing with the Pantheon. It's the same deal with Hector's mace thing earlier. Like, I think it's just sort of a a flip on kind of moment. But it is oh. possible for other people to wield it and control it later. So, yeah, um, Lazarus grabs it with his uh, Laffy Taffy powers. And <laughs> oh, it's like in in Amelie with the Taffy machine. It's got that look of like. <laughs> so yes. his TK is definitely taffy, is what we've yeah. established. And that's how he grabs a sword. It's sticky. And points it back at Ulysses. And Ulysses is like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, I feel like I can relate to Ulysses most in this book so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's but he's trying, trying to do a job that he knows is pointless. Uh Hulk realizes something's wrong and comes out. He's like, I didn't hear back from you, so I assumed that you fucked it up. And he grabs the sword before it impales Ulysses. And yeah, it's a button activated. Now it's just a hilt in the next panel. Right. And Hulk was like, we're going to make Lazarus overconfident. But really, it's Hulk who seems overconfident here. Mm -hmm. It's like, it shouldn't take long. And does the clappy thing. But The Hulk clap. The Hulk clap. Yeah. You never I, want to catch the Hulk clap. No, it's true. I, uh, my God, reaction. the antibiotics you have to be on. Yeah, I got the Hulk clap in Providence one year, and it was oh, rough. Uh, you <laughs> get the shot in the ass. And... I didn't realize the words that were coming out of my mouth. We've backed into several corners <laughs> verbally oh, no. a lot in this episode. So the Hulk clap um, goes after Lazarus, and the telekinesis just flings hulk over and it's like he's still overcoming it's like oh that's the worst you got this is still going to be easy until the whole semi gets dropped on top of the hulk yeah a notable appearance of yosemite sam here by the way speaking of looney tunes cartoons there's the Yosemite Sam mud flaps on the truck that are probably not legal for Marvel to draw. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not notice those. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, again, very 1993. Sure. Um, I'm surprised they weren't Tweety, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, Tweety really had a moment. We're pre-Space oh, Jam, I think, in 93, right? Space Jam, I think, was 96. Yeah, that feels so, right. That is like the the height of Looney Tunes. Right, exactly. It must have been later in the 90s then that I won a Tweety at the State Fair. Yeah. And Whack-A-Mole. Oh, look at you go. Um, Ulysses tries to rally and Lazarus face me and Lazarus is just like flicks away or flicks Ulysses away. And poor Ulysses just like goes ah off into the distance. <laughs> I think oh he does have more panels later. Okay, I was like, is that how he exits this comic? <laughs> <laughs> because that'd be unfortunate. Hulk burst th- through the wreckage of uh, with a creon. Yeah, and grabs uh, Lazarus by the throat. And it's it is somehow... worth noting that Hulk makes every situation worse in this comic, like. 
explicitly Lazarus was like, I was just trying to destroy their business, but you've made it so that I have to be more less subtle, right? Like just why he's attacking this way and why yeah. he will escalate things to murder in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and but it's odd he's just figuring out now that he's fighting the Hulk. Like it somehow wasn't clear earlier. Right. It maybe it's uh, a different 12 foot tall green man who is ripped for days. Yeah. It's because he's yeah. smart, right? The smartness is like a recent development in this in this era, I think. But yeah, you're clearly you're not just some muscle bound git with a body paint fixation. <laughs> like if you drop a truck on someone and the green is still there, I don't think it's body paint. Yeah, <laughs> right? I'm glad he put two and two together. Ulysses is in his own crater, yeah, far away, and because Hulk gets flung too. It's true, though, which is why we cut to Ulysses, and he's like, "Oh man, like heightened strength, three flexes, class two durability," which I never really liked the ranking system. Hmm. But he's yeah. he's class two, and he still gets hurt all over, and he's missing his sword, which then shows up once Hulk lands into his own crater, into the hangar, back in the hangar. It seems, yep. yeah, his crate, <laughs> <laughs> the one crate destroyed, yeah. I don't know what the CC chord reference is here. Does anyone know property of CC chord? In the no, room? I do not. Maybe he's calling out some friend or buddy and um, yeah. with it. Yeah. Lazarus I, has the sword still, which is basically a lightsaber. It kind of is. It, I mean, it extends from a hilt with a button. Yeah. It screams lightsaber to me. So now there's a sword involved and there's a shack. We do love the onomatopoeia. There's a he, like this battle goes quickly, but I think it's executed well, and it ends up with the sword stabbed into Hulk's thigh. Um, it's true. Like he, the telekinesis is holding the sword at Hulk's throat, mm -hmm. and Lazarus is just like, "You're you survived because I've permitted it. I've got better things to do. Bye," <laughs> and just drives the sword right into the Hulk. Which, side. maybe this is the indication, just let Lazarus do what he's going to do. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, there's a reason that Lazarus never appears again, right? Which is that his whole raison d'etre is so specifically tied to basically two people. Yeah. And, like, you would never use this character again. Like, there's nothing, nothing to make him come back. But he does seem massively overpowered, given that he wants to hurt a businessman a middle-aged lady and a feckless young youth. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good scream of, on the Hulk here, though. That's a yeah. good nice set of yeah. teeth, nice comic teeth. He clearly he brushes. He might have had braces when he was younger. <laughs> and you think it would be not as bad if you just hit the button to make the blade of the sword disappear, but it seemed to somehow make it worse. <laughs> Well, uh, you should always resist the impulse to pull a blade out if you get stabbed. That's yeah. If you take one thing away from this podcast, <laughs> if you get shanked, don't pull out the blade because it's keeping things where they should be. Um, you'll bleed out faster if you pull out the knife. Yeah. Hulk doesn't give a fuck. But then we cut to a business complex, an office. And... Now we get the, I do like this image of Lazarus in the business chair with just the tentacles coming out around him mm. in the dark. That's fun. 
And, and then Cameron, when he spins and he scratches the desk as he's spinning. <laughs> yes. It's so extra. <laughs> I'm going to destroy your life and your desk. And the tentacles yeah. must have been just out polishing because as he's doing this, his glove gets two gleams and his helmet gets one. Mm. So mm -hmm. they were they were working. They were buffing over time. And Some questions about this character design. He's like. <laughs> There is like um like the 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 patterning on the torso suggests some interest in aesthetics, right? He's not just built for revenge. Someone like someone thought about making him pretty. Yeah. yeah. Me. There's a culture here. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like the bejeweled belt going across. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the little like uh loincloth moment like yeah it's very middle ages mm -hmm. like it's serving crusader yeah 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 uh, and again i don't know why it, it reminds me a little if it was all red it would look like the dracula armor from um bram stoker's dracula by eiko ishioka like she has this kind of this kind of almost rubberized michelin man style to her armors um is bram stoker's dracula 1993 it's around yeah. then, I feel. Yeah. The annual obviously must be at the end of the year, right? So maybe maybe that's what this is about. Like, I don't know. That might be the I would have to. That... I'd have to check the date. A lot of these happen in the summer. Um, oh, really? Yeah, An annual in the summer? Yeah, right. we spoke with Gordon Purcell, who penciled the Wonder Man issue. And they did the annuals mostly in the summer because all the kids were out of school. So... You can oh. sell the books when they're on vacation. Oh, well, you know what? Bram Stoker's Dracula is actually 1992 because it comes out okay. um, at festivals that year. So I suspect that's the piece we're missing for the Lazarus design. Because if you look at the the um, the Vlad Tepish armor that he wears at the beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. it's that look. Like I'm Googling it right now. He only wears the helmet for like 30 seconds. But it's absolutely this kind of, uh, it has kind of an Anubisy kind of look to it. I feel like that's legally distinct, but I think that's the missing piece here. Yeah. So he goes after what's his face? Cameron. Cameron. He's after Cameron. Um, and he's uh, trying to choke him to death with his own necktie, which, eh. <laughs> yeah. fair. Um, but then... Cameron's wife walks in, who is also Lazarus's ex-wife. Yeah, um, I don't know if Cameron and her are married. Um, they're at least having an affair. They're in cahoots. Right. This is the, yes. She is the grieving widow, as, as Lazarus calls her. True. And then he wonders, how long have you been handling business affairs since your husband died? Were you conducting affairs before he died? Which is a cute little pun and again very very hamlet right like at what point did gertrude start having sex with claudius is kind of the question hamlet can't piece together and is specifically the question the ghost tells him not to pursue right so again i think there i think this thing is haunted by hamlet but maybe i'm over speculating <laughs> i uh, we need peter david to get well again so i can call him up and ask mm. that question. And Ros mm. Rosalind is a Shakespeare character, but from a different play, right? Yes, Rosalind is. Oh shoot, it's one of the comedies. Um, Rosalind. Rosalind is. Um, everyone's yelling at me right now when they're listening to this. Rosalind 
is in the woods. What the fuck is that play? It's, Ugh, I'm blanking. I'm so sorry. The Twelfth Night? No, Twelfth Night is Olivia and Viola. Rosalind. Rosalind. We're, we're trusting Google right now. I mean, I think Rosalind is the moon of Uranus. Oh. Because most of those are named after Shakespeare characters. Um, Rosalind is, well, she's the girl that um, Romeo has a crush on before uh, oh, Juliet. Before Julia. But I could have sworn there's a Rosalind. Rosalind and Orlando is As You Like It. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Rosalind with a D is uh, As You Like It, which is the one in the woods. Very good. I think there is a Shakespeare thing happening here. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't catch the Rosalind thing. Um, Um, So then he's... So Cameron isn't dead. Almost. He's almost. But then he goes after Rosalind. Yes. And who she... has a nice little brooch pin of like a gecko. Yes. She's very, again, her style is perfectly 90s. Like I love, look at the raspberry heels matching the raspberry jacket, the teal Clashing shirt. With the teal top. Yep. Yeah. She's an icon. The power clash. It's coming back. Um, there was there was one issue that we read that's like oh the colors are more like toned down and then others it's just like full 90s like like wow that colorist had uh just field day with this Uh the full palette was available in the 90s and i mean i love it she looks great the the statement belt like good for her she's she's living her best life (laughs) She well, she's not living quite her best life while being choked out by no, the ghost true. of her dead husband. Um, but well, she recognizes comes... and yeah, says she his name is Todd, which, I mean, if you know your German, is just means death. So, <laughs> oh, I did not know. I do not know my German. Uh, tote. Oh, yes. Um, and... Hulk comes in with a thum, and uh, is like, uh, "I'm gonna interrupt this." familial situation by inserting myself into it right again aggravating the situation much worse she had her hands on it i'm sure she could have turned this around (laughs) (laughs) she i think we find out from here that um todd died in a burning mansion that she somehow made happen right she was also disabled in some way Mm-hmm. detail we get that she says she she says some ableist things about how miserable she was with him yep. um, yes and so she exploded him it's like, yeah. uh, <laughs> which mary queen of scots did to one of her husbands oh she, i know yeah he blew up yeah. his house <laughs> uh, but he survived um henry lord darnley no he didn't he survived for a few more minutes and got like strangled out in the garden. <laughs> That's right. There was a whole trial. Bothwell was involved. It's a big thing. I have a book by Antonia Fraser that you can read about it. It's I, very good. I don't remember that when you made me watch the Vanessa Redgrave, Mary Queen of Scots. <sighs> movie. So oh, is good. that one good? I haven't seen that one. Oh, look it up. Glenda Jackson as Elizabeth. Oh. Wow. Because Wait, she so- did the she did the miniseries as Elizabeth R. And then the next year she is Elizabeth again with Vanessa Redgrave as Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I have to catch that. I didn't and see the recent one either where they're all in jeans. Like all the dresses are made of denim. I have. Uh, no, what? I I didn't. 
spend any time on that. No, because, that, nothing can compare to Glenda Jackson and no, Vanessa Redgrave. And it's not that the 70s one is not available digitally at all. Like you can get it on DVD. That's it. Oh, weird. It's sad seeing all these movies disappear from uh, memory. Um, I've always liked this is such a digression. <laughs> What's her name from uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking. Um, Betty, Betty Davis. Betty Davis's Queen Elizabeth is one of my favorites, I think. From Elizabeth uh, and Essex. Yeah, that one's yep. good. I like that one a lot. Is that in the stack of DVDs for us to watch? Yep. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> All right, back to the comic. <laughs> yes, back to the fight that's still happening. It's in progress. There's a lot of telekinesis happening. Lazarus does not really seem to be breaking a sweat. Um, he smashes the Porsche of Cameron, which not that sad about, mm. especially for someone who pays fewer taxes than the rest of us. Because mm-hmm. of the shell corporations. Because of the 1%. No, nope. right. Yes. And it's hard to find anyone to root for in this comic, except maybe Lazarus. <laughs> and Ulysses. Yes, and I'm... Ulysses, who I, sadly has made his exit, right? I uh, think so. After that comedic, hey, where's my sword moment? Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, the battle's raging outside. Inside, Cameron and Rosalind are like, it's Todd, I swear it's him. You know, that can't be. Um, Meanwhile, Hulk is being thrown around the with the, the Laffy Taffy TK. Yes. And he's like, wait, I have a spoon for this. <laughs> he he pulls it out of like <laughs> in multiple panels, you can see the action of pulling it out of his back pocket. You're right. And it. I can't believe I didn't catch this, that it was the little girl's spoon from earlier. It's not just his random spoon he keeps in his back pocket for <laughs> yogurt breaks. <laughs> and they establish in the first page while well, he's throwing darts with the with his great big chest there. Yeah, he's an he excellent a... shot. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's all ca- Peter David. Peter David. Um, and the spoon goes in the dude's eye. <laughs> like, there's an R. Like, you think it'd be fatal to, considering <laughs> how far in that spoon is going. Uh-huh. He does he eject just... it via his telekinesis. He, and again, we get the payoff of the electrified fence, right? Like, mm-hmm. he pushes him into the fence. And I think it's the electric fence that makes the spoon come out of his head. Oh, Like, as, right. as he's yeah. yawing mm-hmm. from the electricity, it sort of pops out. And... Again, if you get a spoon in the eye, do not remove it. Yeah, because... it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to the professionals. Yes. <laughs> and Hulk has Lazarus on his heels. And then all of a sudden, there's a blam, which is not a Hulk sound, but it came from the gun of Cameron. And he shot Lazarus. Then Hulk is like, no, you don't. And he shoots Hulk. And Hulk just bats it away like, you silly bitch. (laughs) Get out of here with that. I'm starting to wonder who's more dangerous to whom here. And Rosalind just from the window admits the whole thing. (laughs) Leave him alone. It was my fault. My idea. Hated everything yeah so, not great not great girl <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we don't feel that bad when lazarus fans out his laffy taffy to destroy the building she keeps her. calling cameron jack is his name jack cameron is cameron his last name yeah cameron's the last name oh, when they okay. Do so the teleconference, jack cameron. okay gotcha okay 
Um, so Hulk goes up to rescue her because the Laffy Taffy is bringing the building down. And then separate Laffy Taffy picks up the discarded gun and points it right at Cameron and blames him. So, so long, Jack. It's been surreal. Yeah. And, and nothing of value was lost. <laughs> <laughs> There's some squelchy whiteout around the ruined eye of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't quite make out what was happening with the panel with the squelchies going down to the ground. And I don't know I where the gun went. that they can't color blood as blood, which is why we're getting the semen eyeball and the muddy mm. hand. I think in both cases, we're meant to understand there's blood everywhere, but um, um, so for standards and practices reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we see him wounded and then an empty panel rubble as Lazarus makes his exit. And Hulk protected Rosalind. From the debris. Yep. Looks like Jack is dead, can't be. And the Hulk is like, I've got a tracker on Lazarus. I'll track him down wherever he goes. And you had better admit everything you did to the police. Yep. <laughs> and by everything, I mean everything. Good hmm. use of the word duplicity, though. And then he uses his Hulk jump and he's gone. And he's walking through a cemetery. There's mist. There's a full moon. Of course, right. there is. Yeah. There has Which to be. he notes it he feels like a Will Eisner character <laughs> like he says that. <laughs> and he narrows in on the tracker and is on the headstone of Todd Hunter. Mm. And, and, and the- it's very um in the New Age Ladies of the 90s phase that I went through, there's a folk singer called Connie Dover, and there's a whole song about this um these lovers, the dad sends the dude away, he comes back, or he sent the daughter away, and then the lover retrieves her. And he's like, I have a headache. She puts a handkerchief around his head. And then the dad is like, he couldn't have brought you back here because he's dead and buried. And she digs him up, and there's the handkerchief. Oh. Ooh. That was a very long tangent. Sorry. Very no, it, I mean, we, we are meant to end with a spooky vibe here, right? Todd Hunter yeah. loving a father. and It's very... um. There's an Edgar Allan Poe story, too, where she's like his lost lover. They all come out of their graves and admit what what they actually died of. Reminds me of that. Um, So it does tip the hand as we head into the first backup story that he was a father. And we get we get a pinup first of very ripped Hulk in some flames. In some ripped clothing. Yes. Lots of ripping. Um, The the backup story is called Still Dead. This is um, a Bagley pinup. I'm just noticing. This is a Mark Bagley. Ooh. It's very apple-cheeked here. <laughs> he is. Those cheekbones. <laughs> Those shoulders. The backup story is about the son. Yeah, the son goes back to the mansion. His name is Hank. And mm-hmm. the mansion, we see how... Um, is it Xavier's mansion? That's in rubble? Yeah. Uh, we see how Todd died, and it was like an explosion that didn't consume any of the wood. And no, no it seems to have been a purely like physical explosion. Like it turned into tinder instantly. Like it didn't <laughs> it didn't All burn. Concussive. It just come like busted. <laughs> and we realized some of like the uh what's in 
sort of animal cruelty of just like they didn't even think about the dogs the dogs are still there right and we see lazarus pop a glove off and he gives them his send and he's like no it's me and they're like oh we miss you and he's like how dare they not feed you you've been scrounging for scraps and he's like i'll be back for you because people are inconsiderate and it drives us nuts so he has a um, human hand like he's he's like a normal person under there in some way right like yeah his eye is back to normal too like he's got a like the green serpentine sort of eye thing going on but yeah it's healed and it's very unclear how this like middle management businessman made this kind of pact with powers beyond the grave (laughs) to return (laughs) yeah again no explanation as to how lazarus rose um uh, but we see his son is obviously mixed up with criminal elements as well. And there's mm-hmm. some degree of like, he only comes home for money. Yes. Right. And we see why, because all these people are after him because he owes them money. And mm-hmm. it's multiple cars of different people he owes that are yes. chasing him down. <laughs> it's like a road race. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to drive away to get away from him. And then is this other dude... Oh, it's in the car behind him. Yes. For a second there, I thought it was in the back seat, like it was very 90s horror movie mm. or teen horror. Um, so Lazarus is following this, and then Hulk is like, I found you. We're gonna have a fight at a carnival. Yeah. And again, Hulk and- is the aggressor here, right? Like Lazarus yeah, yes. is just following his son, and it even seems like he might inter intervene to help his son, right? He's like, What's going on down there? And the Hulk punches him in the back of the head <laughs> <Right>. midair. <laughs> and tackles him into a crater. He, uh, there's a, the car chase is not going well. Um, but at the carnival, Lazarus is using his TK that is not looking like Laffy Taffy anymore. No, it's not. Or it's changed color. It's changed effect. But it can hurl a whole spinning teacup ride. Yeah. Right. He also he looks a little different. He's he's got like a high collar now that the spikes come off, whereas it looked like it was more attached to his head last time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. And the horns are way smaller than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're having a good old fight at the carnival. Um, he flings Hulk into the Ferris wheel. The, and... These thugs are running Hank off the road. Uh, by ramming into the back of his car so he <laughs> rams into a barricade and uh, thankfully airbags exist in 1993 so he's fine and they pull him out and they're like you owe us money and they start roughing him up they pull a gun go to shoot him but lazarus is there and freezes the bullet in midair and admits like i don't think i could do that again like that mm. was pretty lucky <laughs> And And he's like, what I can do is make the gun explode in the guy's hand. Right. We went through a Punisher annual and like carrying this much ammo around with you is a liability. It is. Like it didn't work (laughs) well for Punisher and it's not working out well for this guy. No. Um, Especially when he drops a car on them. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He's like a waste of good cars, but well, it's for a good cause. Squelch. This, yeah. this annual is very interested in damage to cars. We take a moment to think about the Porsche. We think a moment to think about Ulysses crunched in the truck. We care. There's like this whole dialogue about the cars consumer report when Hank crashes. 
And now Lazarus oh, yeah. is also like, oh, this beautiful car got wrecked. <laughs> like, for some reason, this annual really cares about cars. Was there a cult of, was there a cultural moment of like the importance of buckling up in the 90s? Ross Perot. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that was around this time. Yeah. Or not Ross Perot. Ralph Nader? Ralph Nader. Oh. Ralph Nader. Um, I knew it was a third party candidate somewhere. Um, Hulka jumps in. Saves the Ferris wheel people. Yep. And catches up to them. Yep. The lone survivor is the guy whose hand is got blown off. And uh, Lazarus is like, well, I saved my kid. And uh, <laughs> make better choices. I yeah, like, like he backhands him and he's like, one more bruise won't hurt. Like teaching his child a lesson from beyond the grave. Right. And uh, and that's exit Lazarus never to be seen again in comic book history, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he never makes another appearance. Um, I wouldn't mind if he showed up again, but I think you're right. Like, there's no, you can't really hire him. You can't really bribe him or control him in any way. So like, yeah. now that his revenge is achieved, he's yeah, probably like, and, why bother? And also like, he seemed pretty like, he seemed pretty mixed about even achieving that revenge, right? Like he doesn't yeah, want revenge yeah. on his like son or his wife. He wanted to kill that one guy, um, which he did with a gun. Which is like, okay, then why did you need all these extra powers? <laughs> he he capped well, him in the he, head. <laughs> he did fire him, uh, fire the gun with his telekinesis. Oh, mm. that's true. That's true. And now, and his murdering wife is now in jail for all the crimes. All the crimes. Mm -hmm. And the son is not getting anything, apparently. So, like, except hits on himself. <laughs> it's like curiosity. Say, like, he's curious what was happening with his son. It's just like he made this bed. He can lay in it, and I'm done. We he's get a, we have another pinup. Who's the dude with the vest over a ragged crop top signing autographs? Rick Jones? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is this is Rick Jones's uh punk era moment. Yeah. Is Rick Jones the abomination or is he the dude from Ninja Turtles? And Rick Jones <laughs> is a bomb. Oh. Rick I'm Jones sorry. is like he's the kid that the Hulk saved from the explosion that causes him to become the Hulk. And then oh. he's like the Hulk's sidekick for years and then he is the dude who switches places with Captain Marvel for a long time. Yep. Um, he's oh. like everybody's David, sidekick, Rick Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter David wrote Rick Jones, probably for more issues than anyone else. Oh. Between all the titles. Well, look at him getting a pinup then. Our last backup is a town called Hulk, and it's not even written by Peter David. Um, so it really is a one off story that may have existed in some drawer. Um, where this this dust bowl town in arizona called dust pit is renaming itself <laughs> hulk to maybe improve its image but it doesn't draw, draw some tourism they've got a cardboard cutout of the hulk that i'm sure everyone wants to go get their picture taken but next you to. get abomination dropping in mm -hmm. you get titania gargantua they're all there because they're like well hulk lives in hulk arizona right um, and they proceed to just wreck the fuck out of this town. It's why, like, the dude with the hat who's like, this is my idea, it's, I'm going to save the town, and then his scantily clad wife? That's uh, the mayor and his wife. Yeah. Very that situation. 
my little old buddy she says yeah so i guess so she keeps flirting with this priest who's like losing his mind like literally doing the like hot under the collar thing (laughs) yes and Um, yeah everyone shows up to wreck the place i love Um, abomination's cute little magenta bikini bottom that he's wearing (laughs) nothing left to the imagination there no i don't know what's happening with titania's outfit uh, yeah. is happening. She's also feeling really foreshortened. Like she's giving me some Rob Liefeld proportions. Like, oh, her reveal panel. She looks like she might be three feet tall. Like, <laughs> she's been foreshortened to fit in the panel, basically. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and uh, they're all after the Hulk. Like this town is legit wrecked. Everything. More cars are destroyed. Oh yeah um thrown into buildings like there's one building left standing it's city hall and then gargantua i think throws it he rips open the top and then smashes it like he's peering inside like hulk you there (laughs) and hulk wasn't because he is big so he just smashes it to rubble abomination then tosses a building and then the dude who came up with the idea, the mayor, maybe? Yeah. Uh, he's run out of town because mm-hmm. everyone's houses were destroyed. I mean, and oh, he's because with four flushing with... dirt bag, which is a very evocative image. <laughs> <laughs> um, he brings the, he takes his cardboard cutout with him as he's being run out of town. It's mm-hmm. all he has left. It literally is all that he has left. Um, and then Hulk shows up. And deep uh, the disco suit, by the way. <laughs> yes. Quite a look. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought there was a town here. I guess not. And then left. They're like, that's what they get for calling it Hulk. Um, we do get an exciting promo for coming soon, the Trojan War, which looks like Hulk in space. It does look like Hulk in space. And which I guess is, makes sense. Uh, with a pan- fun little payoff for the Pantheon, right? That was that. There was that was yeah. the big arc. But Trojan just. Um, we see a pinup that you shared on what is not called Twitter anymore, right? Um, Appropriately for this image, X.com. It's an Eddie Chan panel. Um, uh, it is very horny. It's uh, Hulk as an Olympian. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's showing he off the feet. Bar, I think. He's like, we get the curve of his butt. It's uh, the lats are popping. Eddie Chan is, I mean, this is pretty late in his career. He died in, I think, 2012. Um, mm. But is, you know, famous, notorious for his, like, Conan the Barbarian pinups. Like, that. he has a very, that kind of, like, Frazetta style. Um Married with three kids, but he sure knew how to draw a sexy man, for sure. We appreciated the Hercules that you shared as well, because... Oh, yeah. yeah that's my favorite Marvel character, is Hercules. Oh, yeah. He can draw an amazing Hercules, although he is notably, like, bare-chested in it. There's no hair on that Hercules, which I found... I mean, it's of the era, right? Like, Conan was also a hairless dude. Um, Disappointing. I know, I know. But otherwise, very nice. It has a very, like... <laughs> yeah. You can see what an influence he was on, like, Olivier Coppel, right? Like, they have a similar kind of beefcake vibe. We get another pinup of Hulk getting blasted by laser cannons. With sure. someone 
on his shoulders. Yeah. A um, blonde girl? I don't know who the blonde is. No. A double page with Thing and Hulk going after another, which it's one of the classic battles in Marvel. Oh. Thing and Hulk battling it out. I'm new enough. I rely on a lot of the of Daryl informing me what is a classic. <laughs> and well, that's I feel it. like I would like this more if he had the purples. I don't like the again, this is a sort of rust colored pant. Yeah. Uh, but not as much feet as in the gymnast one. That no. was I do I'm like sure this texture on the so. thing. This is a I like this. I like when he looks like he's made of rocks and he looks very yep. rocky here. And that's it. So the question they need to pose, because we already sort of covered the second question, which is, do you want to see more Lazarus? I mean, Philip, you answered that. I do. Anthony, would you want to see more Lazarus? I... (laughs) I... I don't know what you do with him. There's nowhere left to go, right? Like, all there is to do is an origin story, but there's no reason to tell an origin story because the reason he exists is already solved, right? So like as a one-shot shaggy dog pot boiler kind of story, it works to some extent. I'm not as compelled by the Lazarus design as I could have been. And there's something about the optics of the story where it's like, it feels like it's set at like the paper plant from the office. Like it's very like Scranton, Ohio. And it's like, why? (laughs) Like I, I have so many questions about why this like dude who runs this small shipping concern has these powers. <laughs> um, but it's more, I don't think, I don't think there's any juice left in Lazarus, unfortunately, which is a shame because it's a good, I mean, you could probably, he's so minor. You could probably just use the name again anyway. Um, and and it has been used. I feel again, I was searching like the Marvel wiki and there are several Lazari. But what if he made some deal with a some underworld thing? Like mm-hmm. underworld comes back, especially with Peter David things. Like a devil, one of them, like There's, Satan. Like I'm like was Karen only better? No. And then they can have like we I, you I gave you these powers, you got your revenge, and now you're done. But I'm not done with you. We might. Oh minion. yeah, that's Spawn, right? That's very Spawn. That's the whole. Thing of spawn right is like you oh. made a deal with you just created spawn just in case you don't know <laughs> i did not know oh but spawn is the one who has the exact same like the exact same look as one of the people in one of the other annuals where the the guest was like oh this is spawn like oh. and then did the side-by-side comparison and like everything is the same oh I really me too it was a backup story um but yeah so and i'm trying to build out a uh, Damon Hellstrom collection because he seems fun. Mm. Why not? So. Could, yeah, this could be a Damon assignment. Sure, I could see that word. You could do. You could have a Lazarus thing. Um, it's an interesting. I, it is Spawn. Like that's <laughs> the, more I, <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I'm like I, everyone would say I was ripping off Spawn. So, <laughs> and then the second question and the main question that we have to answer is. Does this make you want to read more Incredible Hulk of this era? I'll say yes. Okay. Anthony. Oh, I mean, I have read a lot of this era. I find it I find it at, a, at an elemental level to be fighting the concept of the Hulk. Like, I actually feel like a lot of these stories feel like Iron Man stories 
but instead there's a green guy punching people, right? Like, um, like buried inside this story is is a certain amount of guilt for the Hulk, right? Like he is dealing with this company that is more or less corrupt, uh, whose business practices have been concealing their corruption from him, right? Like he has that the line where he's like, you didn't tell me this was going on at your factories because you wanted to save your bottom line, even though people are getting hurt. That's an Iron Man speech. And it's weird seeing it come out of Bruce Banner's mouth, you know? Um, but in the, I mean, people forget that in the early 90s, you couldn't give away an Iron Man comic. <laughs> like, no one was reading it, um, which is so bizarre to say after 2008. But like, Iron Man was nothing. So, mm -hmm. and Hulk was selling because he was big and he was muscly and all of the image kids liked to draw him. Um, it's not my favorite era. I think that I would want to be reading like the Ewing era, for example, uh, rather than this. But it's fun. And as a as a potboiler, it's interesting to do this kind of weird thing. Sure. I think I want to read more and I will because I have all of Peter David's Incredible Hulk in omnibus form. Mm. So that's probably going to be a deep dive winner sort of project working mm. my way through those. Um, to Wait. see how the character developed up to this point, because this is nearing the end of Peter David's run. Um, I think he had a couple more years after this, um, but he started in like the mid 80s and really it resuscitated the character that was mm. not it. Hulk wasn't doing a whole lot in the mid 80s. Um, he was the big dumb green guy. And right. you had the smart alecky big orange guy in the person of the thing instead who was the one being pushed yeah. so um i think that he took him in a different direction and anthony i think you're right in terms of peter david applied different sensibilities to the character that he gave him different characteristics to make it work so that people actually wanted to not only see him but read him right um this has a very Peter David structure in that in many Peter David stories, there's a moment where a character is like, wait, I think I'm punching the wrong guy, right? <laughs> like, yes. That's very him. And that's, this is one of those men. I mean, X Factor does this constantly, right? Like, Oh, um, there's a Monet and She-Hulk and they're both of them separately in their own thought bubbles. They're like, I could probably just talk this out, but this is just going to be so much more fun if I right. punch her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, Anthony, as we wind down the episode, if people want to see you posting the Thirst Trap Hulks and Herculeses, <laughs> um, where can people find you to see what's going on in your creative world and oh. get more info? And any other uh, you, words you see? Yeah, yes, I did. I did. I have become an old man who tweets about his garden. Um, the, you can follow me on most platforms at Mia Koopa, which is a bad Latin Super Mario pun, <laughs> M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A. -O -O uh, if you want to see me on your comic book shelves in October, October 11th, to co coincide with the release of the movie, you can read my one shot about Captain Marvel, where she returns to the Kree homeworld. Um it's a lot of fun. It's a team-up story between her and Wiccan and Hulkling and a classic 
Marvel villain is all I'll say right now. Um, you can buy my book when it comes. You pre-order it now. It's coming out uh, Easter 2024. If you enjoy thinking about Lazarus and the stakes of coming back from the dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> check that out. Actually, as I'm saying that, there is another Hamlet reference here because when the old king comes back as a ghost, he says when he was killed, his skin gets covered over with a, quote, vile and loathsome Lazar. So there is a weird way <laughs> that this text is, again, echoing good old Billy Shakes. Um, oh, great. Nice. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. It's been super enjoyable having you on, Anthony. Thank you. Really has. And oh, thank uh, you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah. And um, we will catch everyone later. Make sure to tune in. Next week will be another of these 27 annuals that Marvel put out in 1993. <laughs> so um, we will catch you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.